0: Hello and welcome to Hyatt Report, and this is your host, Omar Hyatt. Torture, sexual violence, and genocide are some of the allegations against China's so-called quote-unquote re-education camps in Xinjiang. China claims that these are its deradicalization slash centres for Uyghurs. Most Western democracies, however, allege that these so-called re-education camps is a fancy term for internment camps. So let's talk about Uyghurs and their persecution. Just for the context, Uyghurs are one of the 55 ethnic minorities in China. They're native to China's autonomous region of Xinjiang. Since 2017, it has been estimated that over a million Uyghurs have been sent to China's so-called re-education camps. The US State Department in annual human rights report this year referred to Chinese actions against Uyghurs as genocide. In April this year, British MPs voted to declare that China is committing genocide against the Uyghurs. The motion approved by these MPs does not compel the UK government to take action, but is a sign of Western liberal democracies registering their dissent against China's alleged human rights abuses. To understand the persecution of Uyghurs by Chinese Communist Party, it's important to recall the history of this region. Historians believe that Uyghurs have been living in what is now known as Xinjiang since the 10th century. The region came under Chinese rule in mid-18th century, and in the 20th century, because of Sino-Soviet split, the tensions in the region escalated, where on one side, Soviet Union was attempting to undermine China by supporting the Uyghur separatists, on the other side, China was supporting Afghan guerrillas against Soviet Union. It is also worth noting that Xinjiang is an oil and mineral-rich region. In addition to holding 40% of China's total coal reserves, it also has 21 billion tons of oil reserves. And new deposits are still being discovered. This, coupled with the fact that Xinjiang is a strategic region for Beijing's Belt and Road Initiative has led to Beijing making significant capital investments in the region. These investments have resulted in creating stark economic disparities or economic inequalities between the native Uyghurs and settler Hans, where Hans are usually the beneficiaries of these economic policies. In 2009, there were protests by Uyghurs against Beijing's policies in the region. And these protests spiked between 2013 and 2015. Since then, under the guise of combating terrorism and religious extremism, Beijing has increasingly cracked down on any form of dissent by Uyghurs and Uyghur activists and has resorted to mass internment tactics. By some estimates, there are between one and 1.8 million Uyghurs currently incarcerated in these camps for just simply engaging in religious or cultural or faith-based activities that the Chinese Communist Party now deems to be extremism. According to some accounts of former detainees, the purpose of these camps is to make people renounce their faith, religion or belief system through any means possible, including starvation, physical, psychological, and sexual abuse. There have also been reports of people dying as a result of this abuse and torture. In 2020, former US President Trump signed Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act into the law which aims to impose travel restrictions and economic sanctions on Chinese officials who are responsible for human rights abuses against Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities in Xinjiang. In contrast, Turkey and only a handful of other Muslim-majority countries have called out China for its alleged human rights abuses against Uyghurs. Most Muslim-majority countries, including Pakistan, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain and Egypt have remained mum about the plight of Uyghurs. Against this backdrop, when Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan was asked about his and his country's silence on the plight of Uyghurs last year, he responded with something along the lines of he did not know much about the quote-unquote issue. According to some reports, Pakistan is cracking down on Uyghur Muslims who fled from China to Pakistan seeking safety. And that Pakistani authorities are under huge pressure from China because of CPAC. CPEC, of course, stands for China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. It is a $62 billion economic project, consisting of multiple loans from China to Pakistan, to be used by Pakistan for infrastructure, power plants, telecommunications and schools. Pakistan also has a long-standing friendship with China. Just to give you an overview of Pakistan and China's relations, it's worth noting that in 1950, Pakistan was the first Muslim country and third non-communist country to recognise People's Republic of China. In 1951, Pakistan established diplomatic ties with Beijing. In 1956, Pakistan and China signed quote-unquote Treaty of Friendship. In 1972, the then US President Nixon visited China. And some say that Pakistan played a role in arranging that visit. In 1980s, I know this just sounds weird, but China and the US provided support through Pakistan to the Afghan guerrillas fighting Soviet Union. In 2006, China and Pakistan signed a free trade agreement. In 2014, Pakistan and China signed agreements relating to CPAC. Recent reporting around CPEC suggests that Beijing's Belt and Road Initiative relative to Pakistan is a debt trap for Islamabad, where Beijing knows that it is lending money to Islamabad and the latter will not be able to repay it. This happened to Sri Lanka not long ago, where China lent money to Sri Lanka for a project that some would argue had no prospects of commercial success whatsoever. That then resulted in Sri Lanka not being able to repay the loan it had borrowed from China and ended up handing over one of its seaports as a collateral to Beijing. The US and many Western countries have called these actions of Chinese Communist Party as quote-unquote debt trap diplomacy. Pakistan's current national debt is around 283 billion U.S. dollars, which is almost 98.7 percent of its GDP. Approximately 115 billion of this is external debt, of which nearly 15 percent is owed to China due to CPAC. Therefore, one might say it is only natural for Pakistan to ignore the plight of Uyghurs when it has so much debt from China. But what about countries like Saudi Arabia and UAE? These are some of the wealthiest Muslim countries in the world. Yet, there are reports that Saudi Arabia and UAE are actively on behalf of Chinese government detaining and deporting Uyghurs to China where they might very well end up being incarcerated in these camps in Xinjiang. To understand why these wealthy Muslim countries are acting the way they are against Uyghurs on behalf of China, even though Uyghurs are Muslim, we need not look far. In 2014, China unveiled its development plan for Sino-Arab relations and cooperation. Energy remains the primary focus of this cooperation plan, followed by infrastructure development, trade and finance, and supported by cooperation in technical fields of nuclear energy, renewable energy and space. Since the unveiling of this plan, China has become the largest importer of oil, replacing the United States. With GCC countries accounting for nearly 30% of its oil imports. GCC, of course, stands for Gulf Cooperation Council with Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, Oman, Qatar and Kuwait as its members. So, in a way, China is now a significant customer and strategic partner of these countries. And as such, there is little doubt that Sino-Arab cooperation plan would prevail against any atrocities faced by Uyghurs in China. Because, hey, money matters. And money does matter. And all of these partnerships, whether it be Sino-Park relationship or Sino-Arab relationship, demonstrate that money is at the crux of it. And human rights and human rights violations, are not necessarily a priority. And therefore, it is not a surprise to many that Uyghurs are being openly persecuted by China, and when they flee the country seeking safety elsewhere, including to some of the wealthiest Muslim countries in the world, these Muslim countries are acting on behalf of China and sending these Uyghurs back to China for them to face the wrath of Chinese Communist Party. And what's their crime, you ask? What crimes have these Uyghurs committed? In my opinion, none. But in the eyes of Chinese Communist Party, they've committed the biggest crime of all, They've dared to practice their faith. They've dared to practice their religion. And on rare occasions, dared to speak out against their persecutor. On the other hand, critics of US foreign policy argue that America is threatened by China's rapid economic growth. And that America wants to remain the world's number one economy, and is scared of being replaced by China, and is therefore doing all it can to sabotage Beijing's rapid growth. And these critics also argue that America's stand against China concerning Uyghurs is nothing short of an intervention in China's internal affairs. In my opinion, I don't care. I don't care why America is speaking out for Uyghurs and why these wealthy Muslim countries aren't. What I do care about is somebody is speaking up for atrocities being committed against Uyghurs. And it's time the entire world speak up to I'm not saying the world should speak up because Uyghurs are Muslim and they're being persecuted by a communist regime. I'm not saying that at all. What I would do say though is the world should speak up because Uyghurs are human beings. They have human rights and their rights are being violated. Their rights are being abused. And that is why we need to speak up. The world needs to speak up. Uyghurs need protection. And Chinese Communist Party is hell-bent on persecuting them.